Welcome to InsideCatholicPhilly.com, where we explore the Catholic faith as it's experienced in church and in everyday life. I'm your host, Gina Christian, here with our editor, Matt Gambino. And along with our guests, we discuss the Catholic take on everything from sacraments and Sunday Mass to social media and sports, based on CatholicPhilly.com's award-winning news and commentary. Thanks so much for spending a few moments with us here at CatholicPhilly.com. I'm your host, Gina Christian. Our editor, Matt Gambino, is on assignment, but he joins us in spirit. Well, as we said in our last podcast, we're gearing up for a school year like no other, thanks to the COVID-19 pandemic. Students and parents are reviewing those back-to-school guidelines as summer wraps up. And to tell us more about that for the Catholic elementary schools here in the Philadelphia Archdiocese, we're speaking today with Andrew McLaughlin, Secretary for Elementary Education in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. Andrew, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Great to have you here. And I have a feeling that you and your team haven't had much of a summer, given the amount of effort and energy that went into this plan. Is that right? That's absolutely correct, and it's been changing ever since we did it, too. So, Well, as the situation has yeah. changed, that's what's made it the hardest part. It's such a moving target in so many ways. But before we talk about your plan for the coming academic year, I want to back up a bit, because when the pandemic began directly affecting this area back in March or so, you and your team moved pretty quickly to an alternate model. Can you tell Correct. us a little bit about that? Sure. That was kind of based on, um, actually, you know, this time last year, we, we started to put together what was called flexible learning. And the idea was that if snow days hit or emergencies, power went out in a building, you could switch to this flexible learning and provide students instruction through a virtual method and you would get credit for it so it wouldn't count as a closed day. So we had prepared then to do maybe three or four days for the year. So when we saw this was a potential situation, you know, about a week or a couple of weeks beforehand, we said, you know, you really need to start getting ready. We said to our principals that, you know, this is a possibility. You need to start preparing to go for this for at least two weeks. And so when it happened, they were ready. They, they rolled right into that. Of course, it turned out to be a lot longer than two weeks. Absolutely. And who would ever have thought that snow days would have led to this kind of disaster preparedness? I I well remember growing up with snow days, and they were something anticipated, certainly not this. Well, let's look at the plan for the Archdiocese and Elementary Schools, and it's formally titled Catholic Schools Onward, and it really has some interesting principles. The first thing I noticed is that this is not a mirror image of the plan for the secondary schools, because we're talking about kids at a different stage of development and educational needs, right? Correct. You know, we have, and we also have a different setup within the buildings. So key to our plan is what we call cohorting. And cohorting is where you keep a group of children together, a small group of children together the whole day, and they do everything together, and they don't mix with any other cohort. And that's very difficult to do at the same level that we're doing in the high schools. We have homerooms, small homerooms. A third-grade class can stay together and do everything together, and it's, it, it was easy for us to, to, to model that. Uh, some school districts in, in the country, some Catholic school systems, that's their only thing that they are doing to provide safety. So what it does is it, it keeps those children together. It limits the amount of spread you can have because you're interacting with the same number of people. And it also allows you to isolate it. So if we have a cohort, there's a, a situation where a child is sick, we only need to 
go virtual with that cohort and can keep the rest of school running. I would think, too, it dials down the anxiety for those kids, doesn't it? It does, you know. And, and, you know, it's kind of sometimes you go into some of these homerooms, it's it's like going into a a cocoon. You know, they have that special setup. The teacher knows them well. And and that's really what we're doing, uh, keep them in that cocoon for the whole day. It really reassures them. And as you said, it's very efficient from a health perspective because it doesn't shut down the rest of the school if there's one case. It really limits that spread. So in addition to the cohorting, of course, we have the social distancing, the masks, the enhanced cleaning. But you mentioned a modified attendance policy. What's that about? Well, one of the key factors we have principals in our plan is this partnership we have with the parents. We let them know we're going to be back to school, but we need you to monitor every day if the child is sick. And if they are sick, we have changed our attendance policy so they could attend a class virtually and and we will count them present. So we have set up two systems. One is a virtual learning where a child can individually stay at home and link into a a camera and a computer in the classroom that is showing them what is going. They can participate through that. They can do activities. They can turn their work in with the rest of their class through this system we have established. And then if we need to go the whole cohort, we just roll it into doing it with everybody at one time. So we have two systems there. But to encourage parents to make sure that they don't send children in sick, we will mark them either present virtually or present in person. That's great because if they do have symptoms that normally in normal times wouldn't have waylaid them from being in school would have been, you know, concerning for, you know, to be cautious, but it, it wouldn't have mandated them staying home. But now that's not the case. You cannot be in school if you've got those any kind of symptoms that could potentially be COVID, but they're still not losing that school day. Correct. And additionally, it's not just if you're sick, there's Right now, we have a lot of people that are uncomfortable, that are anxious about the situation. So a parent can opt. You know, some of our schools, you know, uh, have as many as 50 percent of their parents are opting to virtually go into the classroom. I think they're waiting to see how things go. Uh, typically, it's I'd say the average is about 8 percent. So, you know, they can decide that this is how they want to begin the school year. So they would elect to do that rather than have to come in person. So we kind of have a hybrid model. Both of them will be running every day. That's great. So the parents do have that peace of mind and that flexibility. Now, does that tie in with what you're calling the situational virtual learning? Correct. So they can either elect to do it for their child, or if we have to, we can do that for everybody. So we have have virtual learning in both situations. Talk a little bit more about the technology that you're using in the elementary schools. Right. Well, it's varied. We have 102 elementary schools. Each one is doing something a little different. It could be anything from something they may have had. You know, one of the best ones that are in use are iPads. They can put an iPad in a little cradle, sit it on a tripod, and that will pick up the sound and the video, and and then they would log in through a, a different system where they can then ask questions and, and submit work and get their work through a different system. So it's or some schools are using dedicated cameras, and some are just using um, a, a computer to do it. So, But either way, it's not a passive sit at home and watch what's going on in the classroom experience. There's a way for them to participate in that. Correct. When we shut down last year, you know, we originally we were looking at for two weeks, but we used to meet weekly with our principals and we would have 
get feedback from our parents. We surveyed them a couple of times and learned what they felt was working and not working. And one of the things that we learned was they wanted that day to look as much like a regular school day as possible. So it wasn't enough. Initially, we might have just sent out a couple lessons and, and did a couple of instructions on the video. By the end of it, we were we had people attending the whole school day. You know, they, they would log on for religion class, do an activity, then log back on for math class, do an activity, log on for English language arts, and do a writing activity, do a reading activity. So it, it kind of morphed as we got into this. So that's what we're looking to do this year as well. We're looking, you know, we expect the children to get in their uniforms. We you know, we want them to approach this as if it's school. We have standards of behavior for when they're virtually attending class, and we have systems for them to exchange information between the, uh, the teacher and home. So. so if you're home, you can't be waving your fuzzy bunny slippers that, at your classmates. That's exactly right. You we, better be in that uniform. Yes. I like that. That's fair. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that because I had 12 years of Catholic school, and I wore my <laughs> uniform. There's no fuzzy bunny slippers in the Catholic school classroom. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, we the reason we have the, the uniforms is for reason. It keeps everybody focused and it's not distracting. And we want it. We want the focus on, on the instruction and what we're doing. And, again, that dials down the anxiety. I think so many people, adults as well as children, in the midst of the pandemic, felt the disorganization and the lack of structure was contributing to their sense of anxiety, and that's going to impair their ability to learn. You know, we had a funny story. Um, we had a parent contact us, and we're so excited about the structure they provided. But, you know, they went, they finished their morning classes, and they went to have lunch, and the child said, I can't go back to class until you ring the bell. So you had to get a bell there. Another parent wrote us and said, it. I have to say grace before we eat now. So it's really that the parents responded that they liked the structure of this. I love it. And parents have become, and they always should be, but they have really become so central to their children's education amidst this pandemic. Tell me a little bit more about that. You know, I mean, I think... I think there's an appreciation for what the teachers do. Uh, you know, I used to tell parent groups when I would meet them, I said, teaching's kind of like running a birthday party but for 25 kids all day long. You know, you have to kind of keep it controlled. <laughs> so, so I think, you know, they would see trying to get the work, how to get that work out of them, keeping it organized, keeping them on task. Um, I, I think they learned to appreciate that. And during this process, they would reach out to our teachers and say, what do you advise for this? And it, it really, in some ways, you know, you didn't think it would, but it kind of helped bolster that bond we have between home and school. Wonderful. And it also showed the tremendous amount of prep work that goes into teaching. And as the yeah. daughter of a teacher, I know on many, many nights, my father would be at our kitchen table going over lesson plans and notes. It's not just showing up in the classroom. There's a lot that goes on before that. You're, you're absolutely right. As, as a teacher, if I didn't have my lessons prepared, I wouldn't sleep well that night, just the anxiety of thinking about it. So but there is. There's so much effort that goes into it. You know, I, I was at an event, and it was a disorganized event, and a lot of people were showing up, and there wasn't seating for them. And I went up to one of the principals, and I said, you know, we need to have an elementary teacher running this. This, <laughs> this wouldn't be taking place. This so... That's great. And it sounds that with the work that you folks have done, that this year will go smoothly again. It's it's a moving target, this pandemic and, and the implications of it. But you folks are responding very dynamically to it. Now, for parents and students who want to get more information, where should they go online to find this out? 
Well, if they're not familiar with what the school is in their area, we have the AOP schools website, and they can go in there and type in their zip code. They can find the schools. But if they want to know about which, you know, what's available at their school, to reach out to the principal there. You know, some of our schools have really been um, bombarded with the amount of new enrollment because they want their children in, uh, you know, a brick-and-mortar kind of setting. So you'd have to reach out to them to see if there's openings. Sounds good. So really we could direct them to the AOPCatholicSchools.org website. Correct. And from there they could link to the various schools. Fantastic. Andrew McLaughlin, Secretary for Elementary Education for the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, thank you so much for spending some time with us. And I agree, elementary school teachers should rule the world. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me. God bless. Come back soon and let us know how it's going. And as I said to Sister Maureen, I I promise I'll have my homework done. So you've heard our thoughts. What about yours? Reach out to us and let us know. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Catholic Philly or visit us online at catholicphilly.com. Thanks so much to Matt Gambino, the editor of catholicphilly.com. I'm your host, Gina Christian. And until next time, may God bless and keep you. Transforming lives. That's what the Society of St. Vincent de Paul of Philadelphia is all about. Called to service by our Catholic values, we work directly with our neighbors in need to help with the most basic necessities. Our lives are transformed, as are hopefully those we serve. Visit svdp-phila.info to see how you can join with us to help. That's svdp-phila.info. This podcast has been a production of CatholicPhilly.com. Music by Dustin Taylor Phillips. For more information, visit us online at CatholicPhilly.com.